It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. I imagine a lot of people are planning to head to the beach this weekend with the weather forecast across this weekend being very kind and very pleasant uh, to us. So a plea has gone out if you are planning on making that uh, trip on social distancing. If you're heading to the seasides, if you're heading to parks, please just be very careful. We've got gorgeous warm temperatures. We're going to be up there with the south of France this weekend when it comes to uh, temperatures. A plea has been issued by the health chiefs as guardians the Road Safety Authority are urging people to drive with care as well giving the obviously will be increased traffic volumes on the roads and especially for this weekend now with level 5 the level 5 travel restrictions having been lifted local authorities will carefully monitor we're told numbers at seaside resorts parks and other areas where large crowds congregate and they're expecting people to congregate and gather tomorrow Saturday and again on Sunday they're not telling us that we shouldn't do it but they're just asking people asking all of us to be very careful. Gardy also reminded householders that travel restrictions remain very much in place with leisure travel only allowed within your county. So basically saying to people, certainly outside the Cork area, keep away from our Cork beaches or keep away from our Kerry beaches. I'm telling people, stay within your own county. Now, Met Aaron indicating the temperatures will go as high as a bombing 19 degrees in some areas across the weekend. And if we get 19 degrees tomorrow Saturday or Sunday then it will be in and around the same temperatures that they're expecting in Nice in the south of France. So it's gorgeous, gorgeous warm weather and the reason for this warm sunshine, we have this high pressure front which is dominating Irish weather across the weekend and into next week. Today as we've mentioned dry and bright tomorrow Saturday dry, good sunshine in most areas. Sunday again mostly sunny, turn it a little bit hazy on uh, Sunday. Monday is going to be another day with good sunny spells. The high pressure front then will start to weaken on Monday night. It'll bring some cooler conditions on uh, Tuesday. Although we're told many areas will again enjoy spells of dry sunshine across next week. Settled but cooler conditions are expected to last until at least the middle of next week. So nice, nice weather. Let us enjoy it. But just please be careful, be mindful that we are still living 
living in the middle of a pandemic and be mindful that COVID-19 is certainly out and about. We know we are safer outside but just don't get into very, very crowded areas and if you go somewhere and it's very busy, consider maybe leaving and coming back when the numbers might have eased off a little bit. John Paul's taking your calls this morning, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 86 And wasn't there something very comforting about seeing our Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan, returning to his post and starting to do the TV events and the media events uh, last uh, night. And he came back and his first message to us was that the battle against the pandemic is going in the right direction. Although he said the level of the virus is still high, but he's pleased with what he's seeing and he's saying we are, it's, it's getting there, we are getting there. He said the increase in cases in recent days and there was also a slight rise in the number of people being admitted to hospital and to intensive care. That's giving them reason to be cautious. He's warning the public not to get ahead of the easing of restrictions because by doing that we could end up uh, putting further progress at risk. Dr Houlihan and Neffet meet next week and it's at that meeting that they'll decide the speed of the roadmap out of lockdown and I'm assuming by this day next week we should start to know what may June and July are going to look like. Now, yesterday, a bit of a shock, I think, when I heard the figures for yesterday, 617. And that's the highest they have been in three weeks. There are concerns about another increase in the coming days. And that, of course, is more than a week now after the full return to schools. And, of course, house building construction is back as well. Also, what's interesting to note is more people have returned to the workplace now than since the start of the pandemic. One in three now working from home. But if you look back just to January, there was one in two working from home. A jump in cases linked mostly to secondary school pupils and to work place flare-ups involving up to 70 cases. That was at the, the Intel building site. They've been reported with clusters again emerging from social mixing. They're seeing clusters after birthday parties. They're seeing outbreaks after funerals. And the highest of the incidents are in Donegal, Offaly, Kildare, Longford and Dublin. Thankfully again, Cork, we are doing reasonably well. And long may that last. Dr Houlihan said the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine and the protection that they give already to older people and the medically vulnerable and the healthcare workers. It does mean that NEFET will have much more scope in the advice that it gives to easing measures, the advice that they'll be giving to the government next week, though he did warn. We simply have to keep up high levels of practice of sensible and necessary evidence-based public health messages as we move to vaccinating as many of the population as possible in the prioritised way that we have set out with the vaccination programme. He said even if the most at risk were vaccinated, he said we can't simply just open up the country and let the disease rip through the rest of the population. He said that simply is not going to happen and that would not be the sensible way to do it. So that's why he's saying that we need to just be very careful, particularly around a weekend like this. We could end up having super spreader events very, very quickly, uh, particularly when you hear a figure of 617 uh, yesterday. That number could go up and up and up over the next few days. So I think we just all have to be very, very cautious in what we get up to this weekend. Now, Dr Tony Hoolan did accept that there is frustration uh, 
among the general public but the caveat has to be that people do not get ahead of themselves relaxing vigilance before public health measures are eased with activities like house parties who are saying please don't even consider doing anything like that or having a large group of people around to your house for a birthday party or sadly you, you're suffering a bereavement and there is a funeral the very thought of, of having everybody back to the house after a funeral that of course we know it has in the past and it's already this week again they've been able to point to some of the clusters directly linked to uh, funerals. Now he was asked about foreign travel and uh, proposals for this EU form of this vaccination passport, this green card that we spoke about yesterday uh, and he's very aware that that's under consideration but he said and they will give their view on it at Neffet but he said consideration about foreign travel, he said uh, it'll come much later. So certainly I don't think anybody's going away on holidays for June or July. Some speculation that people might be able to holiday, fully vaccinated people may be able to holiday in August but he's certainly slow to give any advice on that and then they spoke yesterday at the press briefings about the benefits of vaccination in nursing homes and long term residential care facilities now very clear there has been a dramatic drop in the number of residents and staff developing severe disease and being identified as having COVID-19 and because of that new visitation guidance has been agreed by NEFIT around nursing homes and long-term residential care and that obviously represents another step to support residents who are living in nursing homes in helping them to maintain their relationships with their families and friends and I know I was speaking with John Paul in the office uh, this morning and we are hoping on Monday to take a look at this new visitation around nursing homes and what it will mean for families because I'm very conscious of a lot of families wanting, now many people are back in seeing their loved ones once, maybe twice a week but I'm very aware of people who would have, who have loved ones in nursing homes who went every single day, you know, husbands going to see their wives, wives going to see their husbands, children going to see uh, their parents and people going, you know, more. For some, they went every day, but for others, they might have gone two, three, four, five times a week and suddenly they were restricted to once a week. Then we went through the phase where they weren't able to see their loved one uh, at all. And now there's a slow, cautious approach back to visitation, but it looks like that is going to improve. So as I say, we will look at it in more detail next week. And I came across a survey that looked at asking people how they were how they'd gotten on through lockdown and how the pandemic has been affecting their lives. And it's very positive to see that more than half of the public have admitted that they've enjoyed life during lockdown. Now they're not saying it's idyllic but they're saying that they've enjoyed it. It was a survey conducted by Sahara and it was over 4,000 respondents so it was a big big, uh, big survey. It found that 59% of people say they appreciated more time with the family, less pressure to be sociable and also they said the chance to save money money was something that they actually enjoyed doing. They were asked which aspects of life brought about by the pandemic they would like to keep when the pandemic is gone. And 44% said a greater appreciation of the time spent with relatives and friends, while 23% uh, said less time commuting for work was something that they've really enjoyed and that they're hoping when the pandemic is gone that they won't be back to that that, that awful situation in the morning and the evenings of spending long time inside and traffic, commuting to and from work. The findings, said Sahara, from the latest consumer sentiment report shows people in Ireland are now are not only becoming accustomed to living with COVID-19, but some have warmed to the small winds that come with the slower pace of life. The pandemic has forced people to reevaluate what matters most 
which for many will have an indefinite impact on how we choose to live our lives moving forward. Now, there was downsides, obviously, to living through a pandemic. 30% of respondents said they were experiencing mental health difficulties caused by the pandemic. 42% said their ability to do their job had been significantly affected by uh, COVID. 49% said they were struggling to balance work and childcare. And 25% said they did not want to return to office life. And then they also asked people about drinking because there's been evidence before. Well, there's not evidence. There's there's clear data there that when you look at the the money that's made by the government on excise duties on alcohol, it fell very little across all of last year, bearing in mind that there wasn't any pubs opened. And what happened instead was people, rather than drinking in a pub or drinking in a restaurant, they instead used the money that they would normally spend there and they moved it to the off-trade and so the off-licenses instead in supermarkets there was an increase in alcohol sales uh, there. So I was interested in this study, asked people about their drinking habits and it seems in this survey, 16% of people said that they've been drinking more since the pandemic, but also 16% of people said that they were drinking less alcohol since the pandemic. So that wasn't as high as I thought it would be. But I thought it was interesting that 59% said that they have, uh, they've appreci- they're appreciating life. They've enjoyed life more during lockdown, enjoying the slower pace, that pressure to have to be sociable. That's completely taken away from people. And also the, those that are at home with their families. Most people saying, look, it's fantastic to be able to spend more time with families. And actually, we touched on that. Was it yesterday? No, on Wednesday on the programme when I spoke with Joe O'Leary Joe was joining us about the Bally de Hob and Jazz Festival which is going live and online over the Maybank holiday weekend and then at the end of the interview I was just chatting away with Joe who I would have spoken with on the programme before uh, because he has Levis's Corner Bar in but I was just asking him, obviously his bar has been closed. It would have been just opened for a very short period last year, but for the majority of the year it's been closed. I was asking him how he was getting on and he said straight away, rather than go to the negative, went to the positive, saying that it's just been fantastic. He's got young children and to be able to spend the time the last year that he spent with the children and he would have missed out on so much of that. I mean, anybody who runs a, a a bar or a restaurant or a pub will know how much time they spend away from their family because of the nature of the work and the hours that's involved with the work. So I thought that was interesting to hear him say he's actually enjoyed, now obviously he hasn't enjoyed his business being uh, closed down, but the positive side of it was he's spending more time with his uh, family and he was very much appreciating that. So so it's good to see that this come out from that Sahara, that 59% of people uh, saying that they've just enjoyed a more relaxed pace of life so it isn't all doom and gloom. Can I just give you an update on the art sale that we spoke about earlier in the week for the Jack and Jill Foundation called Incognito. This is where you went or you you went online, you could pick a painting or drawing. You didn't know who painted it. It was artists, both national and international. There were celebrities who had all given in a piece of artwork about the size of a postcard and they put it up online. They normally hold an art sale and people physically go into a building in Dublin and pick the piece that they want to buy. But obviously they haven't been able to do that. So they did it online. I think they did it online last year uh, as well. It was hugely successful and the sale went live yesterday and Jack and Jill Foundation have been on to say 1,000 188,040 euro was raised because every single 
piece of art which was over 3,000 pieces of art were sold and they were sold every piece of art was the same price uh, 60 euro and I think it's 12 o'clock today they actually reveal who painted the piece because when you when you picked the piece that you wanted to buy you didn't know who had actually uh, painted it. It was fantastic and you could put a wish list in and I, I know I did it, John Paul did it, there was a couple of others at work uh, did it, some other family members did it. None of us, I have to say, were lucky enough to secure any of the pieces. Such was the success of the art sale. I mean, at one stage yesterday, the Incognito website went down because I think so many people were trying to buy some of the pieces of art. So it's hugely, hugely uh, successful for the Jack and Jill Foundation. Obviously, suspicion that when the pandemic is gone and they can actually have a physical art sale again I have a funny feeling they might do it back online because of course doing it back online you're opening it up to a much wider audience so it was terrific and we know the great work of the Jack and Jill Foundation and they look after many little special babies and children here in the Cork area that we are aware of so I'm absolutely thrilled for the Jack and Jill Foundation because of the work that they do and the money that they raise and if you were one of the lucky people in Cork to have secured one of the art pieces uh, can I say congratulations to you and I am beyond jealous I shall try again next year and I might have better luck next year 1850 John Paul taking your calls Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Due to the pandemic people with all types of eating disorders are presenting more unwell than previously seen to HSE Mental Health and other services. West Cork Social Democrat TD Holly Kearns has begged the Minister with responsibility for mental health to intervene in the case of a young Cork woman. And Deputy Holly Kearns uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Holly. Morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, obviously, we're not going to identify anyone here, but what can you tell us about this young woman's case and the type of help that she urgently needs? Well, just to start off, Patricia, it was back in February that I first raised um, the shocking situation whereby no funding was allocated under the National Eating Disorder Treatment Plan for 2020 and that none of the 1.6 million allocated in 2019 spent. So since then, responses to my parliamentary questions revealed that the decision to temporarily pause the nationally planned development um, of eating disorder services was made for operational reasons rather than clinical ones. So needless to say, bureaucratic decisions like that shouldn't be allowed to affect the treatment of vulnerable people. And in February, I also highlighted that eating disorders um, disproportionately uh, present young, among young women. They present among everybody, but all demographics. But they're among the psychiatric conditions most associated with mortality. And the Minister for State back then, um, Deputy Mary Butler, assured me that she was aware of the issues and working with the HSE Clinical Programme leaders to spend the money this year. However... In the meantime, there's been several cases of young women having difficulties accessing appropriate medical care for severe eating disorders, which indicates there's still obviously a significant gap between the government's intentions and the on-the-ground services of people who need them. So very brave woman in Cork, and, and a few more people have spoken out since, um, spoke out to the Evening Echo. And imagine feeling like you've nowhere left to go apart from to the media to try and secure help. Um, but she suffered with bulimia and anorexia for over a decade um, and fears she'll die if she doesn't get the in, inpatient treatment um, for a condition that she needs. So she spoke out just in the hope that somebody would help her. Um, and like she doesn't have health insurance, so she can't afford private treatment because that costs up to 60000 
and she's been on a waiting list since last November for outpatient counselling, but says an hour or two a week isn't enough. And I think sometimes we don't understand the severity of eating disorders, but the way this woman described the condition in the Echo is really harrowing. She said that the most accurate way to describe the compulsion to binge eat is that it's as strong as the need to breathe and that you have to breathe or you'll die. And in her case, it feels like she'll die if she can't get her hands on more food and then she'll die if she doesn't vomit everything up. Um, She feels like she'll die if she gains weight and she also knows that she'll die if she keeps doing what she's doing. So... It's a shocking, shocking condition. Um, uh, It really is. And the the most frightening statement you made was that, you know, this woman fears she will die. And she needs inpatient treatment, isn't it? Isn't is is, is that what she in the ideal world? That's what she needs. And that's what she's looking for. Yeah. So in mid-March, she tried to take her own life. And that's the latest in a number of suicide attempts. But unfortunately, Patricia, there's only three dedicated hospital beds for eating disorders in Ireland. Um, So people who desperately need care simply can't get it. Now, if you have private health insurance, there's more beds. But the HSC are only providing three beds. And to get those beds, like initially this woman thought that there was no inpatient care in Ireland. She was like, you're not even made aware of the services that are there. And in order to get one of those three beds, you have to get a, a, a referral from your consultant. But she didn't know that and she wasn't getting a referral for a consultant. So the kind of outpatient services that are there, like counselling, like that woman said, is not good enough. I think it's generally acknowledged that that kind of counselling service in the community are great, but that's more for early intervention. Mm-hmm. And when you're a decade into an eating disorder like this, you need proper inpatient care. But we only have three beds. And just as an example of the, the kind of disregard for mental health in Ireland, like my one of my best friends that I grew up with here, she lives in the UK now and She's a mental health social worker. That's a role that doesn't exist in Ireland. But she works with a mental health team for the NHS. And she said that more and more now, they're having people with eating disorders coming over from Ireland to be admitted into inpatient uh, for treatment, yeah, I've I've seen that in the past. Um, including ones that have been funded by the HSC. You can go privately, but the HSC fund places, don't they? They they, they send people over. Okay, similar to the cataract operation. Yeah, yeah. We have a long history of exporting our health I know, I know. It's worth exporting our problems because I know in January of this year I was reading an article in the Irish Medical Journal and they were saying 66, they saw a 66% increase in hospital admissions during the pandemic due to eating disorders. Now, that's a hospital admission. Things must be very serious if someone's been admitted to hospital for an eating disorder. That's it. And like I said, it is the what, the psychiatric condition most associated with mortality. So it's kind of incredible that we don't take it more seriously. And like I said in the doll day before yesterday, people don't tolerate waiting lists for driver's licenses, passports and, you know, vaccinations. But for mental health treatment, waiting lists are normal and accepted. So thanks to figures actually secured by um, the Social Democrats co-leader Roisin Shortall, we know that as of December, there are 2,736 children on waiting on an appointment with community CAMS, for example. Of this, there's 448 in the Cork Kerry region, with 98 children and adolescents on waiting lists for over a year. And unfortunately, the HSE doesn't even have national data on waiting lists for adults and other mental health teams, which is an issue in itself. 
But yeah, I mean, when, then it's when you take good into enough. consideration, it's, just, it's not just, good enough. And what, what really surprised me with the figures that you were saying about the money, I mean, the 1.6 million that was set aside for eating disorders in 2019, not spent, nothing allocated in 2020. D- d- whoever made that decision within either the Department of Finance or the Department of Health, did they think that eating disorders were going to disappear because of COVID-19? This is, the, this is the question that everybody's asking. Is it um, a lack of political will? Is it a lack of joint up thinking? Is it disorganisation within the HSE? But I think this comes down to a broader issue, is, which is that our health service is not functioning. You know, we look over countries like the UK with the National Health Service and, you know, we send really vulnerable people. The people who are travelling to the UK with eating disorders at the moment have to go with a doctor or a nurse or a family member because they're so unwell and can't really travel but have no other option. And on the whole, you know, we just entered into a global pandemic a year ago. In other countries, we saw things like big hospitals being built, all of this stuff. In Ireland, we've done nothing to improve our health service, like resourcing public health teams. But we have a national plan for a new health service, Launcher Care. And but that wasn't prioritised in this programme for government, given that we we're at the beginning of a pandemic, is truly tragic. Because I think, you know, at the heart of Irish society, most people believe that how good your health care is shouldn't depend on how deep your pockets are. That kind of inequality is something that I don't think represents Ireland. And the reality is, for example, somebody with an eating disorder, if you have private health insurance, you will be looked after. There is beds for people who have that. Uh, If you don't have health insurance, there's three beds for the entire country. So money, money will keep you alive, whereas this poor, poor woman fears she will die because she doesn't have private health insurance and can't afford, can't afford the private health insurance in order to get her the care and the treatment that she needs. And the key to eating orders, uh, Holly, uh, is, is to treat them early, isn't it? I mean, ending up as a hospital admission can be too late for some people. Exactly. Early intervention is so important. And a lot of the folks have put on community services like counselling services like I mentioned earlier, that is very good for early intervention. But the system has let people down for so long. This woman has been seeking help for a decade. Did you get any response from the... It was Mary Butler, I'm assuming you you put your points to. Did you get any any response when you raised it in the door? She came out uh, the following day with an announcement of funding allocation for eating disorders. Um, But it would appear that that was some kind of new funding. In fact, that's just funding that hasn't been spent. But it's welcome that she's obviously taken notice and is working to improve the situation. And I hope, I hope that she will. Um, you know, this girl on the waiting list uh, since November after trying to take her own life. Um, she's, she's one of many. There's, there's more people who've spoken out during the week. You know, I think, I think the government are realising that it's important, but it really shouldn't take um, people like this incredibly brave Cork woman going to the media to speak about their powering near near-death experiences to, to get the kind of support that they need. Okay, all um, right. It can't come quickly enough. And absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, listen, Holly, we leave it there. We'll speak again. Thank you for that. And uh, Thank thanks you. for joining us. That is uh, West Cork Social Democrat uh, Deputy Holly uh, Kearns. Uh, Mossy said hypnotherapy is good for eating disorders. I wonder, has that young woman ever, ever tried that? Uh, I think, yeah, probably in the early stages, something like that on an early intervention. But I think the stages with this uh, that this woman has got because she's been battling it for so long it is 
an inpatient treatment is what she now needs and she's not on her own unfortunately 1850 thank you for your text 1850 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. South Dock in Blackpool, which closed uh, over a year ago now, is set to reopen by appointment only. Now, obviously, that's great news for people locally and welcoming the news is Independent Councillor Ken O'Flynn, who joins me. Good morning to you, Ken. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, I'm very well, thank you. As you stated yesterday, it's a step in the right uh, direction. But I suppose it's important to point out for people, it won't operate the way it did before it closed due to the well, pandemic. You know, maybe maybe I was overwelcoming when I said a step in the right direction. Uh, at least they haven't closed the building. I'm hearing lots of rumours, big message at the moment, that the lease is, is up shortly and won't be renewed. So the service that's going to be provided to the north side is only if you're incapacitated, if you're not able to leave your home, that they will arrange for a doctor to come and visit you. So the service, what we were told originally about a month ago that the service was going to reopen at the end of the month, um, hasn't come to light at all or hasn't come to pass. Um, what, What we're now being provided with is a service uh, less satisfactory than we, what we expected. Um, and it's going to affect... So hang on, so, so, the, so they're going to do house calls. So that's not the oh, reopening of South Dock and Blackpool? No, it, it, it's not. It's, it's, it's certainly not what we were promised. It's certainly not what we were expecting. And from the indication earlier this month, when they told us it would be reopening, we assumed it was back to business as normal after a 13-month argument and fight with them and between HSC and, and, and South Dock and uh, the elected representatives and, and community groups. Uh, what's actually been provided is a doctor's service, a, a call-out service, um, if you're incapacitated, which is, has a big effect on the people of the north side. But on the greater north side area, I'm talking about Blarney, Tower, Dunamore, uh, Whitechurch, that has a huge effect on people. And it's certainly not living up to the deal that they struck a number of months ago with HSC. Uh, it's certainly not living up to the service contract agreement that they have with HSE. And, you know, I, I have to say, while they are providing some service, it's not a service that is, is worthy of the people of the North Side. Um, and when, and when it was closed last year, it was closed because of the pandemic. And was, the, was it initially believed that when things settled down with the pandemic and that it would reopen as, so as it know, had been open it, before? It was closed under the guise of COVID. And, you know, Patricia, we've spoken on the show and we've had a situation with a nursing home on the north side where they tried to claim COVID as well. There's a lot of people using COVID as an excuse. And to my mind, South Dock is doing exactly the same thing, using COVID as an excuse to close uh, their premises, to not have to pay an additional rent, to um, tell everyone to come to Kinsale Road. And then they came up with a statement this week that nobody had complained and nobody was was upset about it, or there was nobody uh, giving out, or they had no they had no context from anybody um, that was dissatisfied with the closure in the last thirteen months. No, they must have lost all the letters that I sent to them, and they must have lost all the correspondence from the HSE. And you know, I'm on sitting on a HSE forum, and they're doing the same down in Kerry. And it's all cutting corners and saving money. 
It's not putting people first. It's not providing the service that they were asked to provide by the HSD that they're paid to provide. And it's inconveniencing and upsetting an awful lot of my constituents, not just in the north side, as the traditional north side of the, the hills of Farnley and, and, and coming up to Bellavalan, up to Mayfield. It's inconveniencing the, the new north side of the city, which is Blarney, out to Tower, and out as far as Dunmore. And that's the reality of it. You know, people that are dependent on the service, that use the service, are greatly inconvenienced. Well, you, you, have no other, you have no other choice if you need a doctor out of hours. And unfortunately, we can't tell our loved ones, our children, or indeed ourselves, please only get sick between nine and, nine and five when your GP is open Monday to Friday. Yeah. And, you know, trying to get a GP to call to you, and if I'm, I'm pretty certain if you rang South Dock and uh, you told them that you were incapacitated and couldn't get out of the house, they'd be telling you very fast, ring an ambulance, don't ring South Dock. So this type of service that they're going to be providing is going to be a very minimal service. Um, and it's not providing the greater service to the people that use it. And I'm talking from, from Grinna, Dunamore, all, all the way into Blackpool. You know, service is a far bigger area than it then they're letting on. It's not just the service for Blackpool or for the North Side of the city. It's a service for over 100,000 people. And what reasons have South Dock put forward for keeping Blackpool closed for well, the, the entire reason, duration of the pandemic? You know, that, but as I said, they've been using COVID as the excuse, saying that, you know, that they were... Yeah, but they can still be using COVID. COVID. Well, exactly. Well, now they've said that they were reopening and now they've told us that they're not reopening. Um, they're giving us, uh, as we'd say traditionally, a Machia version of, re- of reopening because that service that they're going to be providing is less than satisfactory. That's the reality of it. I had a lady out in Tower that had to take her 93-year-old mother over to Kinsale Road the other day. Um, you know, that's the inconvenience that it is for people and it's very difficult to get somebody that age, that's in pain, that needs a doctor, across the city like that, you know? And it's, it's, yeah. it's and you're doing a lot of people. And, and you have a lot of elderly people living this side of the city and this side of the county as well mm. that don't have transport and are dependent on sons and daughters collecting them, bringing them places. That, that's the reality of it. And the fact that it is an out-of-hour service, it's yeah. either late at night, early in the morning, or it's on the weekend. I mean, it's just, you know, people are in panic situations as well. And the last thing they, that they need to think about is that they've got to go a longer distance well, to actually get right. to the doctor. And that's, that's the reality of it. You know, nobody rings a doctor for fun. You only ring a doctor when you really need one. And that's the and particular... If it's out of hours that you can't wait for your doctor in the morning, or you know, there's quite often you might say, "Look, I've a pain here, but I, I I wait in the morning. I go out onto the surgery." You know, when you're ringing a doctor out of hours, you need that doctor. Mm. That's the reality of it. And so the service that they are being paid by the HSC, by the taxpayer to provide, is not being provided. And it's not just here in Cork; it's happening in Listowel as well. Okay, so who can force their hand? Who can who can well, reverse think, this decision I and make no. that centre open? Well, I have to say, uh, you know, some of our TDs have been shouting and they've been telling us that they're doing this, that and the other. I've checked the dial record. There's been actually very little mention of it um, compared to what people are saying that they're saying. Um, I think now it's up to our local TDs. It's up to our Minister for, for Health to step in on this and to be raised again on the dial floor that the service not been provided for a large majority of people, not just the north of the city, but for the, for the northern region of the county. Um, 
Uh, and it's up, it's up to HSE to start pushing the buttons as well with SOTOC. Because mm-hmm. SOTOC is running health and people's health as a business. They're not interested in curing people. They're interested, people, they're interested in cutting their costs and making as much money as possible. Liam is in Balancolic and he says the Kinsale Road service is now so busy as everybody from the north side has to use it as well as the rest of uh, the city Uh, and those of us in the outlying areas of the city uh, also have to uh, use it. Our nearest one in Balancolic is the Kinsale Road one uh, but it's coming under huge pressure because so many people they're funneling everybody into the one place. And that's, that's what I'm hearing back as well and you know if you were closing a place because of Covid Surely you'll be opening more places so you'll have less spread of people and less people in contact with one another because of COVID. So when you use the argument, we've closed it because of COVID, it never sat well with me. Carmel in Whitechurch said I had to go to Southstock last week, Kinsale Road. It was 11pm at night. It was so busy. I actually sat there and contemplated leaving. It was a bit like closing the local A&E's in Mallow and uh, pushing everybody up to CUH. Have they not learned from their mistakes? Okay. And and, and that's the thing. It's it's exactly what's happening on the Kinsale Road is going to to be uh, and everybody gets affected. It's, it's, ju- it's just not the people yeah. who've got to travel yeah. further. It's the people whose but, local service it is as well. Correct. Right. You, you, you've, you've hosted many shows talking about the state of Aden. We're going to, you're going to be hosting a lot more shows talking about the state of Kinsale Road, um, the South Dock. South Dock. Okay, listen, we leave it there, Ken. Listen, my God, stay God safe God. and we'll God. talk again. That is independent uh, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. In the next hour, we've got a warning to young people to keep away from the Ballycotton ghost ship wreck. This was after a TikTok video went viral this week. That and more in the next hour. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, a number of your texts coming in about vaccines. Here's an interesting one from one of our listeners. Say, morning, Patricia. My friend received this text message yesterday. Now, can I just state, she doesn't have an underlying health condition. She received it yesterday and it's details of a her vaccine jab, which will be given today. And I'm wondering, is it a scam? She's 55. I've told her to ring um, because she does have the consultant that's mentioned on the text message. But she works at home. She's an office worker. She's not with vulnerable clients or anything. I'm wondering why she's getting the vaccine at 55. And everyone's so afraid with the scam. And it is a text message that says, Dear patient, your Beacon... Now, I'm I'm assuming our listener's friend lives in Dublin. Your Beacon Hospital consultant has referred you for a Moderna vaccine. A separate text will be issued with the location, date and time. And then shortly after that, another text arrived to say, Your appointment is confirmed for City West Vaccination Centre. Please attend on... And it's today's date, 23rd of uh, April, 1645. If you can't attend... And ring. There's a Dublin telephone number. Please bring your PPS number and ID with you. Now, I just did a quick Google search of the number that's on the text message, and that's actually the number for the Beacon Hospital. Uh, what I th- what what has happened here is. I don't know what your friend's condition is. She might be feeling fine, not working with all of her clients and is working from home. But she obviously has a condition that has fallen in under the 
Category 4 or Category 7, people who would be very vulnerable if they contracted COVID-19. And we know that GPs are going through their database to identify these people as our hospital consultants. So obviously the consultant she's attended has gone through his list of patients. He's identified the people under the age of 60 who have underlying conditions that are named, that are mentioned in either cohort four or cohort seven. They're the two groups that have been vaccinated at the moment. So yes, it is it is completely above board now if she wants to ring the, the, the Beacon Hospital. But I have seen similar a similar text being sent out for people to attend for their job but tell her t- to make sure that she does uh, bring her PPS number and his photographic ID is uh, is is what um, normal is, is, is what they normally ask for no she's healthy out she can't okay she's <laughs> sorry the text was just that she's healthy out she can't make it out but it's the fact that her consultant in the Beacon is she is attended or has attended a consultant in the Beacon for some reason and obviously that's why it has been identified I tell if I got a text like that I'd be gone in a heartbeat to get well, I can't wait to get my vaccine and then you've got Pat on the other side there are people nervous about getting the vaccine in particular nervous about getting the AstraZeneca does anybody know what happens says Pat if you show up for a scheduled appointment for an AstraZeneca and you refuse it on the grounds of fear I've registered today and now I'm reading more about new data on cl- clots and I am terrified thanking you says Pat Pat I, what I suggest you do is you will get you you've registered you've done the right thing you will get your appointment go along when you get your appointment there's lots of people turning up for appointments for vaccines who are very nervous they'll answer any questions you have and from what I've heard from a number of people who've certainly contacted us here they'll allay any fears that you have and I know I've watched on the news I've seen a couple of vox pops with people who they interview on the way out from the vaccination centre saying you know how are you feeling and the number of people I saw on news bulletins saying oh I was very nervous going in but there was a doctor there and went through everything with the doctor they laid my fears and I'm feeling really really happy that, that I'm after getting it and remember it is a tiny tiny proportion of people who've been affected by these very, very rare clots Uh, and you have a much greater chance of getting a clot if you get COVID than you would have picking up a clot from a vaccine. But listen, you're, you're not going to be the only person going along for a vaccine who doesn't have fears but that's why they've got doctors and nurses and experts who will talk it through and you still even at the end of it when they answer all your questions and if you're still feeling nervous nobody will for- will hold you down and put the vaccine into your arm it will be absolutely your decision Hi Patricia says another texter I am so grateful for my vaccine I got it in the city hall but I was absolutely terrified because the amount of people that were standing outside queuing and waiting to go in there was no security and and believe me, people were not keeping two metres apart. Please, 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 would the powers that be that are operating the vaccination clinic at City Hall get security outside to make sure that people are keeping their distance? And I know people have been asked when they are going to an appointment to turn up as close to the time as possible to avoid that's happening. So I'm disappointed to hear that. But to others, when you do go, if you do arrive early, just please be mindful that there are other people 
who will turn up to these vaccination centres who have could have been shielding at home and barely going outside the door. We have had some people contact us here who say that the first time they've been outside the door in the year was to go to their vaccination centre or was to go to their doctor to get their vaccine. So just be aware of that, that there are people who will turn up for these vaccination centres very nervous for fear of picking up COVID while they're queuing up to get it. So please, people, be careful of that. Uh, But good to know that your vaccination all went well and you can take peace of mind now that you're on the road to being fully vaccinated. And then a listener says, Patricia, I'm just wondering does anybody know how did the HSE decide your vaccination date? As I and my husband 65 and 66 respectively have got our dates but my brother-in-law who's 68 hasn't got his date yet and then my sister and her husband who are 65 and 67 They've got their day, their vaccination times, which is one after another on the same day, which is really, really convenient for that couple, I have to say. All of us, by the way, signed up on the correct day that we were asked to do on the various age days and we all did it online. And I'm just curious. Thanks a million. Well, I would, I know I was looking back on figures. The figures are up to Sunday morning when they, of last weekend, when they were, when they would only have been taking in people who were 69 on the Thursday, 68 on the Friday. Um, so the 69, 68 and 67 year olds, just that those three years, they were up at 85,000 people had registered. And I know, I think by the time they got to Monday of this week, it was gone well over. It was about 140,000 people had registered at that stage. I, What I'm assuming, it's a com- it's computer generated. It's the computer. I know they ask for your air code. The idea there being that you'll get your closest vaccination centre. But there isn't physically somebody sitting down going through 140,000 registrations and deciding what day and time it's some computer is doing that so to me it's it's a computer it's computer generated and just by the way while we're on to vaccinations to let people know that registration now is opened today for people aged 64 Tomorrow, if you're 63, you register Saturday the 24th. If you're 62, you'll be able to register on Sunday for a vaccination. If you're 61, registration opens on Monday morning. And then for the 60-year-olds, registration will open next uh, Tuesday. Again, the HSE say that the easiest way, they say, to do it is online, hse.ie. But you don't have to go online. We've addressed this very well last week. You can register over the phone at 1850-241850. And they ask people to register on the day what age you are on that day because I know we had so many people who seem to be having birthdays this week who are going to be 64 the next day 63 the next day I'm going to be 60 you got to wait until you're actually that uh, age so 64 year olds today 63 on Saturday 62 year olds on Sunday 61 year olds on Monday and 60 year olds on uh, Tuesday registration does remain open for all people aged 65 to 69 they can register at any time if they haven't registered uh, yet and the same will be when we get all of the over 60s and the, the portal remains open for anyone who needs to register and the HSE say if you are younger than 60 you will be invited to register when your turn comes but for the moment we know they're working through the 60 to 69 year olds and there was no decision made on the approval of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for use uh, in uh, Ireland and I really was hoping because we knew that Nyack was meeting yesterday, I really was hoping that Nyack would give some kind of a decision yesterday so at least the HSE would be aware of 
how they can use Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it's, it's sitting in fridges at this stage and start using it and start getting people uh, vaccinated. The European Medicines Agency completed its review of the vaccine on the 20th of April and they have recommended that the product information for the vaccine should be updated to refer to possible very rare side effects of blood uh, clots. But again, the European Medicines Agency giving the same advice that they've given for the AstraZeneca that the benefits far outweigh the risk. So NIAC have been meeting, they had a meeting yesterday but they're now saying that they will not give their recommendation and their decision to the Health Minister and to the Department of Health until next week which also means we're going to have to wait until next week on a, to see if NIAC make a decision about increasing the interval between doses of other vaccines. Again, that's something that NIAC are looking at. This is for the Pfizer and the Moderna. At the moment, it's a four-week between the first and the second jab. But NIAC have been asked to look about extending that. The idea being we'll get more people their first uh, vaccine. Uh, Stephen Donnelly, though, did say yesterday that those that had an appointment for a second dose of the Pfizer or, or the Moderna should go ahead with it, even if NIAC recommends spacing out the doses. So if it will be anybody starting on the Pfizer, it won't be for people who have already started by having their first uh, jab. He also said those under 60 who have already received their first dose of AstraZeneca should also attend for their second uh, dose. And he said the rollout of the vaccine among older people is going well. 83% of the people aged 65 to 69 have now registered for the vaccine. So while there is a small amount of hesitancy, it is very low when you look at 83% of people have uh, registered. And on people who are housebound waiting to get the vaccine. Now, I thought that I read a piece and I, I'm sure I know I did because I mentioned it on air that they were rolling through the number of people who were at home and that they were doing really well and they were getting to as many people and they were really doing well on it. Well, it seems that it came up in the doll uh, yesterday that the, it's the junior minister of the Department of Health, Mary Butler. She said housebound patients who require an ambulance service crew to vaccinate them, that they are the remaining ones are going to be contacted this week. She now has admitted that the, it's been a complex process. It's requiring crews to be at a house for anything up to 40 minutes. So obviously they're not getting through many of them, even if they set aside a number of ambulances and say, OK, every day next week we're going to send you out to the housebound. It's taking 40 minutes at the house to get the person vaccinated. And then obviously they have to pack up and drive on to the next house. So they're not getting through many every day that the crews are out trying to vaccinate the housebound. Earlier in the doll, Leo Varadkar said about a thousand housebound over 70s are still awaiting a first dose of the vaccine. And I thought that that number revealed earlier on in the week was as low as 300, but it seems there's about a, a thousand. And the reason that the figure finally came out was the independent TD, Dennis Nocton. It was he looked for the information information from the HSE and he had problems getting the information from the HSE and he said it was like asking the HSE about the third secret of Fatima. Uh, Leo Varadkar said that an alternative was perhaps uh, needed and I know I read in an article in one of the papers today they're possibly now saying because they realise that it's so slow getting to the housebound patients that maybe a local GP, a local, the local GPs could get involved because obviously it's their patients, they know their patients. There's also talk to maybe some of the community pharmacists 
pharmacists who've been trained up as vaccinators rather than tying up the ambulance service when it is taking uh, so long. So there's about a thousand left. I don't know how many of those are here in the Cork area. Because certainly at the beginning, we were hearing from people worried about their housebound loved ones and then we started to hear that they were getting vaccinated. So about a thousand left to still be vaccinated in the over 70s or housebound. 1850-333-103. Lines open. C103 Jobs. Crowley Engineering in Glanmire. They're looking for somebody with spray painting experience. It's to assist with painting metal parts fabricated in the workshop. A mechanic is wanted for servicing cars, light commercials and jeeps. That's in the Balanine area. While Everfresh Exterior Interior Solutions, they're based near Bottevant. They're looking for a qualified painter. You need to have 10 years experience with good attention to detail. And a part-time parking attendant and maintenance personnel are required for Bandon 20 hours per week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. We've been talking about vaccinations today. Angela has been on to say, Patricia, would you congratulate Dr. John O'Reardon at the Tower Medical Centre for carrying out the vaccinations and all of the staff there. They were very efficient and very kind to us all. And we hear that time and time again from people who say when they go into their local GP, those who are going to their local GP to get their vaccine, how efficient and kind and caring the doctors and the GP practices and all of the staff are. They really have have stepped up to the mark and have gone, I think, above and beyond the call of duty. And there's almost this celebration and party atmosphere at some of the surgeries, particularly on the early days when the first days of the vaccines uh, arrive. We are we are blessed, really, with our cohort of GPs and their staff that we have in this country. We really are. So, Angela, Angela thank you for that. And well done to Dr. John O'Reardon and all of the staff at Tower. Medical Centre. They're probably too busy to be listening to us on the radio but if anybody's going in there today, tell them we were talking about them and that we were wishing them all the best and offering them our deepest, deepest congratulations. Now, concern has been expressed over members of the public climbing on board the wreckage of the Ballycotton ghost ship after a video went viral of individuals exploring the ship. Sinn Féin Dáil Deputy Pat Buckley says it's too dangerous and uh, Pat joins me. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Patricia. And listen, well, to hear that lovely news this morning. People saying thanks. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? It's great. It's great. Yeah, and it's given people it's given people a sense of hope and that life will get back to some kind of normality as well, which is which is great. Greatest reward in life is when somebody says thanks. Yeah, yeah, and all too often we're we're great to give out, but we're, we're slow enough to say thank <laughs> you. So it's great. Now, listen, I'll say well done to you for raising this because I do think this is an important issue. Now, it's a TikTok video for for those listeners who are not into TikTok and not into social media. Can you describe what the young people were doing in this video? Oh, basically, Patricia. Obviously, it's curious young people. I mean, you can't stop curiosity. Um, I suppose the brief of TikTok, they uploaded a, a video which, of their exploration of the MV Alta. Um, obviously accompanied by music, so it's kind of attractive to other people and whatever. And just basically uploaded onto TikTok. It's gone over, eight, I think it's well over 800,000 views. Has over 125,000 likes. I can understand where that comes from. 
there was a fabulous story behind the ghost ship. As the boys say below, it's well known as it's from Bermuda to Ballycotton. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is, even since 2020, when it landed on the shores, up till now, the vessel has, you know, deteriorated extremely. And in fairness, it is now, you know, the condition right now is very, very unstable. One half is broken off. And it's the concerns of safety more than anything else. And yes, well, you understand it is an attraction at the moment and people have flocked to see it. And of course, there is the temptation to go on it. But even from looking at the video, you can see how much it's deteriorated. Um, I mean, that's the one thing to me that the video showed was just how much in a little over a year that it has deteriorated. Oh, absolutely. And in fairness, the Cork County Council, they have been very proactive on it. And they uh, have uh, actually carried out an environmental assessment on it. So they're wondering where they go from here. But they are also urging people, you know, while it's okay to admire it from a distance, we're just urging everybody not to go on it because it is extremely dangerous. And while it is tempting, there is no guarantee of your safety. Plus the fact Cork County Council are saying that you're actually trespassing. And I've also spoke to one of the landowners there, and he's very worried as well because people are going onto his land, even though the cliff walk itself is closed at the moment under current level five restrictions. Oh, is it? And yes. Okay. And he's worried, and he's worried that um, you know who's going to pick up the liable tab. Somebody gets hurt on his land going down to access that shipwreck. Uh, oh, that's not fair. Close. That's not fair on the landowner putting that kind of no, worry and, on the and, landowner. And he is. He is worried because I spoke to him. I think it was yesterday morning. Just for an update, and I was just saying, you know, some people are still going onto the land, and he just worried that, you know, it's his insurance that would be, you know, hit here, and it's not fear. As I said, it is a lovely story, and you know, but you know, you have to respect things as well, and you have to respect health and safety, and that's the biggest issue that we have here at the moment. Is well, it's okay, beautiful spot, especially in this weather now, and people will be going down. I can guarantee you to go down this weekend because the weather is promised good. I think we have the Maybank holiday next weekend. So we're just urging people, you know, on the side of caution and a bit of common sense that whilst it's there, just please do not attempt to get onto it. But the fear is that once a TikTok goes viral like this video has, your real fear is people will copy it. Absolutely. And I mean, look, it's, it's human nature and it's, it's human nature to be popular and something that's cool and something that's different and something that has a story, you know, and something that's real. Of course it is tempting. But, I mean, I've, I've looked at this. You've seen the one of the lads climbing up a rope or something. Yeah. We don't even know. I mean, that ship was, was floating for over two years. Before it ended I, up in Ballycotton, yeah. yeah. You don't know how old that piece of rope was. You can see you can see the rocks below. If that rope broke, that poor gentleman's going to fall down on his back. Yeah. Onto those rocks below. I know. Look, we've all done it when we were young, Patricia. We've all took risks. I spent nearly six months in hospital one time as young for that because I took a risk and took, spent three more months in bed at home afterwards. You know, we do to, we do take risks, but I think, you know, let's make the best of it while it's there. Let's enjoy the novelty of it. Let's enjoy the scenery and the beauty of Ballycotton. And it, and it has been a plus as well for the people about Ballycotton. You know, people are coming. Down people have come spending, come to see it. Yeah. Money and so on. But is there is there an environmental pollution risk if that ship breaks up further? Because looking at it, you know, if there was, if we get a lot of stormy weather, that ship will break up. 
well, it's broken up as it is. No, in fairness, the Cork County Council, they removed all the diesel, they removed all the barrels of oil. Uh, I spoke to another gentleman again yesterday afternoon, and he said there's absolutely nothing on what's left now is the metal carcass on that ship. Okay. And as I said, there has been an environmental assessment that's underway with Cork County Council as well. I've also su- submitted somewhere around, I think it's in the number range of about 10 or 12 uh, parliamentary questions on it to see you know, where they go for, from, from here. What's the plan to remove it? Who's going to remove it? Who's responsible for it? Because there was somebody supposedly put a claim on it in 2020, but we don't know who it is. And it has been a, it has been a large cost to Cork County Council to remove all this stuff because it had to be removed by um, helicopter and so on because of where the position it is. But in fairness to them, they've done everything that they can possibly do at the moment. So I've contacted Department of Marine and Department of Transport on it. So I'm like the proverbial child now waiting for a birthday card. I know it's coming. It's in the post, but I don't know how much is in it. Because obviously we, we we must know, we know who owns it, do we? Who owns the uh, MVL? It has been, no. It's she been must have been registered. She has been, I think she had something like 13 owners over the history of um, that ship. And on top of that, I think the last crew members were taken off that by the US uh, Navy, I think. And that was over two years ago, two and a half years ago. And they actually don't know who actually actually has the claim to it at the moment. So it could be claimed under the shipwreck um, legislation that we have here. Yeah. But I don't even know. It's been over a year now, so I don't know. Has that expired? So they're all part of the parliamentary questions that I've put in. And is, is, that, is that what is delaying removing it? It's, it's all that possible. red tape, yeah. Abs- absolutely, yeah, it's quite yeah. possible. And that's why I said, look, I'll put in enough questions on it and build a picture and see where we can go from here. While, as I said, the story, and it's a novelty at the moment, it's also a blot on the beautiful coastline down there. Yeah. And, you know, let's appreciate it while we have it. But let's be realistic and say we need to get rid of it as well. Someone says by text, the behaviour on board the ghost ship really annoyed me when I watched the video because if something happens to one of those young lads, they'll sue the county council and are the landowner. Could they sue the council if somebody got injured on it? It's quite possible. That's the issue, Patricia. That's why I put in so many questions because we need to know who actually, you know, is standing over the ownership of it as it sits there now at the moment. So we need to get clarity on that. But yes, Cork County Council have also issued a statement to say to not you are actually trespassing if you get onto that ship. And has the landowner asked people to get off his land and he's enti- is he entitled to, the, to do that? He, he, he is and he has and sometimes he's been met with friction. So, you know, it does, it's not fair on the landowner either. And you can, you can understand his concerns and worry as well. Okay, and you know, we were already mentioned at the top of the programme because the weather is so good this weekend that we know people are going to be heading out to the seaside and, you know, the popular destinations and we're already saying to people, you know, to to be careful about social distancing and all of that. But now there's the added one here if we get young lads or young people deciding to get on board. So your message is to just to... It's in in really bad nick. Yeah, it is in, it's in a deplorable condition at the moment, a very dangerous condition. And what we're saying to people is just admire it, but admire it from a distance. Admire it with respect to the landowners, the respect to Cork County Council, and respect for yourself as well. 
Uh, Lisa says, I spoke to the landowner one day, to a landowner one day in the area as I was walking by and he seemed very upset by people who were trespassing, as he said, on his land. One person said to him, sure, that's a right away. How can it be when all over the years it was a private field and now because of the ship, everyone thinks it's a right of way. Another person just kept walking and pretended not to hear the landowner. Uh, his, he went on to explain his worry is that he sued if anything happens <laughs> and it actually affects a flu a few landowners. So so there isn't, and you're backing that up, there isn't a right of way there just because the ship is there. I don't think there is, Patricia. I mean, look, the coastal cliff walk is there. But it's perception of people, again, that, you know, that the coastline, that all the coastline is free and it's everything. But people have land in, in that area and you have to respect their rights as well. Betty is in Shanagari. She says the traffic in Ballincott Cotton has gone mad since that ship arrived. People are abandoning cars in Ballycotton, but blocking the street. It's narrow enough as it is. They don't realise the ship is directly off the village. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always a plus, but there's always a negative. As they say, where there's an action, there's an instant reaction. But as we said, look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying it and enjoying the story of it and the history of it. But there's also the other most important fact is respect yourself, respect others around the place and have the utmost respect for what the rules are and that's to stay off that ship. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, we leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, Pat. And Thank thanks for joining us on the programme. Stay safe. Weekend. You too. Okay. You too. Bye bye. That is uh, Sinn Féin Cork, Dáil Deputy Pat uh, Buckley. As Seamus said, I would suggest that the farmer should put a bull in the field. That'll keep people away and put up a big sign saying uh, do not enter bullet large. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. You can uh, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 And there's a text I just saw. It's from Mary. Mary says, Hi Patricia, I think I heard you say that you didn't get one of the pictures in the art sale on behalf of the Jack and Jill Foundation, the Incognito art sale. I put my name down too but didn't hear anything back. I'm just wondering, do they contact you if you're managed to be lucky enough to secure one of them thanking you yes you would have got an email uh, yesterday afternoon uh, to say that you had received I think they were sending emails out pretty quickly uh, once you secured the particular art piece so no if you didn't get an email yesterday then like me uh, you, Mary you are one of the unlucky ones but seemingly about 12,000 people registered an interest to get and they had about 3,500 paintings and little prints uh, in total so they were well over subscribed which listen is terrific I was disappointed but it's a native of charity uh, the Jack and Jill Foundation as I said love to by the way uh, Mary's like is in the camp with me and others here at work we didn't manage to get one I'd love to hear from somebody if you did manage to secure one of the Jack and Jill art pieces yesterday in the incognito art competition be interested to see how many people in Cork managed to be lucky enough to get some of the artwork 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Sale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Yesterday was Earth Day, and unfortunately, as we mentioned on the programme yesterday, recycling rates in this country are described as poor to medium, with packaging waste, in particular plastic, on the increase. So, to discuss a way that we can all cut down on our household packaging, I'm joined by Wendy Hickey, who is owner of the Earthway Refill Shop which is in Middleton. Good morning to you, Wendy. 
Good morning. And you're, you're, I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the programme. Yours, I suppose, could be described as a supermarket with a difference. To people who haven't been in a refill shop before, can you just explain to us how the shop operates? Yeah, so basically we have food. We buy the food in in bulk and we put it into dispensers and scoops. And so the customers come in with their own jars or tubs or their old pa- um, pasta bags or whatever they have at home already. And they reuse it. So if it's a tub, they come and they weigh the tub on a scale and they get a barcode and then they go fill up the food with the tub. They come back to the scales, they scan the barcode and then they pay for the price of the food that's in the tub. So, so it's basically reusing yeah. the tubs that they already have. Yeah, and we all have no those packaging. Yes, exactly. we all have those tubs and containers at home that we that we can bring uh, bring with you. And what are your best sellers? Um, our cleaning products, really, actually, the household products, uh, pastas, rice, shampoos, conditioners, hand soaps, uh, the olive oils and the vinegars. Um, yeah, they would mainly yeah. are, are, are stapled, are staple diets. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about I hadn't thought about shampoo and conditioner. I straight away assumed it was just food. No, we do all household and self-care products as well. So all of our self-care products are all in either biodegradable packaging or recyclable packaging. Fantastic. Um, we are looking into trying to get some of that as well in refillable so that people can come back with their their face cream tub and refill the face cream as well. But that's all in the process. And how long are you open? We only opened last July, the 1st of July to 20. In the middle of a pandemic? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a woman, what a woman. Um, and what prompted you to open the shop, Wendy? Uh, look, we're a family of six now and I just got tired myself of the amount of single-use plastic that was on everything. As much as we try to buy at the farmer's markets and uh, there are certain food products that we can't get except unless going to the supermarket. And if you want to even buy organic food in the supermarket, it's all wrapped in plastic. The only option of non-plastic is the non-organic food. And I try to buy organic where possible, you know. And what reaction are you getting from customers? Very good. Feedback is brilliant. Um, Especially actually the younger generation as well. The kids love coming into the shop because it's a novelty. So you get to pull on the dispensers and things. Yeah, but the feedback has been fantastic. Yes, but children are great when it comes to environmental issues. I mean, they 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 really have an awareness, don't they? Much more than 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 the older generation. Oh, definitely yes. And I suppose it's been pushed the last year as well because we noticed the difference of once the population of the world stopped moving around so much, how the earth re- revived itself, you know. And so that was in the media and everywhere. So the kids got to see that too, you know. Yeah, it gives us great, gives me certainly a great sense of hope for the future that we may <laughs> finally, finally tackle uh, all the issues we have, like with uh, uh, cl- climate change. Do you believe, Definitely. Wendy, is it possible for a household to achieve zero waste? Definitely, there have been, families have done it. We're not at that stage completely yet, but that would be my goal, yes. So Where everyone in your house is very aware of very aware of what we're what we're bringing in yeah yeah and what you're using and, and not using and are there many shops like yours around the country there's about 50 to 55 at the moment now and it's it's growing you know is there as the many nearest one to, yeah the nearest one to us at the moment is down in Clonakilty Twig yeah and then there's one in Dungarvan uh, she opened there just in January 
there's quite a few in Dublin, actually, the Good Neighbour, uh, small changes. There's a very good big one up in Mayo called Pax Whole Foods. Um, and there's one, I think, in Ballinus Little, but I don't know what the name of that is. So it is getting there. Yeah. There's one in Killarney as well. So, And we've had quite a few people come in to us asking us for information about how we went about it and how to set it up. So there are more and more interests as well in spreading the word. Would you like to see bigger supermarkets even have a like a small refill section? I mean, I'm not asking supermarkets to go totally refill, but could they help out by having a, a section of the store refill? They definitely could, yes. Or they could actually look more at stopping the plastic. Like, most foods don't need to be wrapped in plastic. And there are there are options out there. There are biodegradable and recyclable um, packaging that could be put onto most products. So a perfect example is when I was small, my mother used to buy a particular type of cracker. They used to come in a cardboard box and then they were wrapped in a paper wrapper on the inside. Mm-hmm. Those crackers are still available today and now the inner packet packet is wrapped in plastic. So I don't know why we moved away from the recyclable materials to the non-recyclable materials. Yeah, it's it's really... And you know, the, one, some of the fruit uh, can be really frustrating. The one that always gets to me is the bananas inside in a plastic bag. I can never yeah. understand why bananas have to be in a plastic bag. Exactly. Because they already have the skin. Yeah, yeah. Skin they're they're the one thing that come with their own packaging. They really, it, it doesn't need it. And then some, some, one person making the point that they, they shop in some of the German supermarkets, uh, Lidl, I don't know if Aldi do it as well, uh, where you can you can leave your packaging behind. How does Wendy feel about that? Yeah, I do that. I do it in SuperValue as well or Super any value. shops I go yeah. to. Now, I lived in Germany in 91 and back then they were already doing that in Lidl and Aldi. In 1991? 1991, yeah. <laughs> We're a bit behind. It shows you how, exactly how far behind we are. Okay. Okay, all right. So, well, well done. And you're, somebody said, where is Wendy's uh, shop? It's the Earthware Refill Shop. Where in Middleton are you? We're on the main street, number three. So we're up the end, right beside the courthouse. Okay. And across bring... from the AIB bank. Okay. And someone else says, if you don't have your own containers, do you, do you supply containers and bags? We we did at the beginning. We do have bottles for the olive oils and things, but we do at the moment have paper bags. Okay. But bring bring your but own, again, basically. Again, to bring your own, yeah. Yeah. Because even the paper bags has, a, has an impact on the environment, you know, so... Yeah, and I'm assuming what happens is people get, it's it's like the way people bring their shopping bags with them at the start when we got rid of, thank God, we got rid of all the plastic shopping bags. And we all have to get into the habit of bringing our reusable bags with us. It's a little bit like habit, isn't it? It'll just build it, up as... Exactly, yes. And like I, when I go to the supermarket or to the butchers to get my meat, I bring my own tub with me. Now, my local butcher allowed us to bring our own tub, but the supermarkets don't allow you to do that. So that's another thing that can needs to change. Like I'm bringing my tub, I'm taking responsibility of the meat going into my tub, you know. And then I'm not getting plastic bags from the butchers. And will a lot of butchers, do you think, allow you to do that, if you ask? Um, I don't know about a lot, but I just know that Erwin did. Mm. I suppose you won't know unless you ask. I, that's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. Go in, go in and ask. Listen, you're, you're doing well. It's Friday. Are you busy? Is the weekend your busiest or are you busy? Saturday. Saturday and the beginning of the week, surprisingly. Is it? The busiest, yeah. 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 Okay. So, but and every day it's getting busier, so. 
Well, I'm blown away that you started in the middle of a pandemic. Not many people started a business in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> even though I suppose we all we all need food and we all need shampoo and conditioners. Exactly. Uh, so, and if we hadn't have done it, somebody else would have. So well, well it. done to you. Well done. And continue good luck uh, in the shop, uh, Wendy. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia, for having us. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. And a number of people saying, uh, well done. Uh, it's a fantastic shop. That is Wendy Hickey of the Earthware Refill Shop in uh, Middleton. We need more of those shops uh, to let people, to give people the choice of if they want to go in and buy refill and bring in your own containers and your own jars and your own bottles uh, with you. 1850-333-103 A new one I mentioned to GP practice that surely somebody else had come on and mentioned theirs. Pat was on to say would you please say well done to the team at Doctor Leaders. They are in Boherbui on the way they've been handling people for the vaccination. It is a great service. We were greeted brought in and there was a wheelchair for those that needed it who went to being very mobile it's a brilliant brilliant service so well done Dr. Leader and the team in Boherbui take a bow You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed we were talking about that refill shop in Middleton. Fantastic refill shop. Speaking with uh, Wendy Hickey, who opened it last July. I still can't get over somebody deciding to open a business in the middle of a pandemic. Very brave of her. And the shop seemingly is uh, proving to be a success and certainly a hit with people from the Middleton and surrounding areas. I just think we need more of those re- refill shops. I think every single town needs at least one refill shop. Our supermarkets need to come on board just to give people the choice so we don't end up with all of these plans. I know every single time I come back from doing my shopping and you know you're packing everything away it frustrates and annoys me the amount of you know I have a collection of the different plastics what can be recycled what has to go into landfill and it's always so frustrating Martin in Mitchellstown says he remembers when he was a, a small little fella when you'd go to the butcher shop the butcher would wrap the meat in greaseproof paper and then they'd wrap it up in brown paper and that brown paper said Martin was saved and you know what they used it for? They used it to cover the school books going to school. See, that was an era where you didn't waste anything. But yeah, you're right. Butchers didn't use plastic. Now when you go in, it's it's all plastic. And the point I was making to Wendy, when you're buying Veg, you know, you can get a lot of your fruit and veg singly. And if you go into a local green grocer, it's even better that you don't have to get it in plastic. But it frustrates me in supermarkets when I see bags of, you know, bunches of bananas in a plastic bag. Or you'll get a bag of cooking apples or a bag of plums or pears. It's in plastic and there really is just no need for it. But yeah, definitely greaseproof paper and the brown paper bags at, were used in butcher shops and I can I certainly can remember when I was growing up when you went for fish and chips to our fish and chipper it was wrapped up in newspaper which just seems if you said it to the young generation today and it was the, the fish and chips whatever you were buying was put into the you know the white greaseproof paper bags and then the first layer of paper that was put around it was a type of newspaper but it didn't have any print on it but then it was wrapped up really tight into a great big bundle and it was wrapped up in reams and reams of newspaper and that's what you brought it home and it stayed nice and warm in the newspaper as well and, and I don't know if many other certainly the chipper that I went to in Clonmel it was a chipper called Imelda's now since closed to the best fish and chips you'd ever taste but it was wrapped in newspaper and I don't know if, if that was the same here was it just a Tipperary thing or did that happen in Cork as well 
1850-333-103. And now when you go for most uh, takeaways, we were only talking about it yesterday, the amount that's dumped and that can't be recycled, it certainly is very, very different. Now, we were talking about the shipwreck of Ballycotton in the last hour and what Cork County Council can do about it and it seems there's some query as to who owns it and that seems to be delaying them getting rid of this shipwreck. Well, hi Patricia, this is from Christian from Moy says, Patricia, the person claiming ownership of the ship in Ballycotton would have to have been on board when the marine investigation body stepped on board. This happened before at Roach's Point. The ship ended up in Crosshaven for scrap. Cork County Council should scrap it and the money that they've had to use so far could be used for uh, homeless people and that's from Chris Kipper O'Donovan who is a man who knows about his boats thank you for that hope you're keeping well uh, Chris and then also coming in on vaccinations and says Patricia when you register online and this is for the people 60, 61, 62, 63, 64 year olds registering today. Do you have to wait until 10 a.m. when they open or can you do it in the morning before you head to work? You certainly can do it in the morning. The online, now I'm open to correction on this, but I'm assuming the fact that the online version, the hse.ie, I'm assuming that that's open 24-7 because it's it's online. There isn't somebody physically sitting there, uh, you know, taking the calls or going through the computer. So I'm assuming that that can be done at any stage. I know if you're ringing the 1850 24, 18, 50. They operate from 8 in the morning until 8 in the evening but that's you're physically talking to a person so obviously that's not going to op- operate 24-7. But I would assume for the online one that yes, absolutely and you certainly can do it before 10am and I know that for a fact because I know of somebody who registered at 7 in the morning they were registering for their parents uh, who last week when they when we were getting to the 65 to 69 year olds a friend of mine was registering her parents and she certainly did it at 7 o'clock in the morning before she headed to work. So yes, uh, I don't know what day you're registering on, but yeah, you will be able to do that. Uh, Phil says, this is on somebody who was complaining that there was a queue outside City Hall. This was a listener who went for their vaccine and delighted to get the vaccine, but just felt a bit nervous because there were so many people standing outside waiting to go in and felt there was no security and not everybody was abiding by the two metre social uh, distancing. Uh, Phil says, there's queuing at City Hall for the vaccination. It's going on all the time. You are waiting no matter what time you show up. It doesn't seem to make a difference. I also believe the postcode doesn't seem to make a difference uh, either. Why why you might ask. Phil says I was hoping to have my vaccination in Mallow as I live in Dripsy but I ended up being sent to City Hall or I'm going to City Hall tomorrow says Phil. Well the Mallow vaccination centre isn't opening until next Thursday. They're not starting to vaccinate at the Carragoon GAA facility until next Thursday and for people in West Cork it's Clonakilty is the for, or is it Bantry I'll have to get that double checked but I know it's Wednesday is when they're starting the vaccination in West Cork I think it's Bantry first and then it shifts to uh, Clannacilty so they haven't done the county vaccination for the 65 to 69 year olds so that could be why Phil that you've been sent to City Hall tomorrow but for anyone else as far as I know from what we can gather they are trying to do it as close to your postcode as as, uh, possible Kate then says I intended my doctor's surgery yesterday nothing at all to do with Covid I had an injury the nurse wanted a doctor's opinion on a particular cut that I had um, at the, but one other doctor in the practice wouldn't look at it because he wasn't my doctor. I then had to wait over two hours to see my own uh, doctor and I'm wondering is this right? Thank you Mrs Katie Again, it's one of those issues it varies from 
doctor's surgery to doctor's surgery. I know certainly the practice I'm in has, I think, four, maybe five uh, GPs. And if you go in to see your own GP and they're not available for whatever, in any, for whatever reason, you're offered another GP. So maybe it's just different in your GP practice. But it's annoying to have to wait two hours when there was a GP who could have just taken a quick look at it. And I don't know why. I don't know what the explanation for that uh, was. On vaccines then. Hi, if the flu comes back this year, how will we know which one we have, whether it's COVID or flu? I always get my co- my flu vaccine, but I still get colds. So will we end up having a COVID vaccine, a flu vaccine and a booster? They're already talking about a booster for the COVID and there certainly will be a flu vaccine this year. But you get your flu vaccine, but then you end up getting cold, a cold and a flu any doctor will tell you are two very different things. The flu, you get the flu jab to stop you getting the actual full bone flu. But that's very different to the normal little colds and sniffles that you pick up. But yes, I'm sorry, I digress. I think the answer is yes. They are already looking at a booster for COVID and certainly the flu vaccine will be back in, I suppose, from September again. Even though I was reading an article on a medical, one of these medical articles online, they're saying they're having huge problems trying to formulate the flu vaccine for the next flu season. And the reason for that is that there was no little or no flu detected last year. Certainly in this country, there was actually no registered cases of flu anywhere in this uh, country. And it was pretty much the same across all across, across the world because we were all social distancing and we were wearing masks and we were hand washing. So there wasn't a spread of flu. And normally what happens is when they go to design the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine changes ever so slightly every year. What they do is they take the data from the last year's flu and then they work a vaccine based on that to cover that and then they, they work on it from there. But they don't have data from last year so they're, they're already saying it's going to be a little bit of a problem. Obviously Australia and sort of that side of the world, they're the first because they go into winter before anybody else. Uh, they, will be, they, they monitor them to see what the flu season is going to be like but they're expecting that there won't be as much flu. Now there might be more in Australia this year because obviously they're not doing social distancing because they haven't had as much uh, COVID. But yes, you will be getting you absolutely will be getting your flu uh, vaccine. Okay, and then also coming in to us there was a really good text in from Dean Goline. Thank you for sending this in to me uh, Dee. Dee says there's been so much talk about AstraZeneca and the side effects and the nervousness that some people have just to put things in some kind of perspective. And Dee sends me on a photograph. This is a list of side effects that come with a painkiller slash anti-inflammator. I got my first AstraZeneca jab with no qualms, says Dee in Goline. Good, good on you, uh, Dee, and good to hear that you're on the road to being fully vaccinated. And she sends on a picture to me that almost looks like it is, I would say, two fool's cap pages long, almost, of the side effects. And if you have any medicine in your house, be it prescribed from a doctor or if it's just something like that, like a painkiller and anti-inflammatory, and you know the little sheet that comes with it and that we just all put in the bin. If you actually take that out and look down through the list of side effects and they'll have, you know, positive side effects uh, and then they'll go into rare side effects and very rare side effects. And that's exactly what's going on with the AstraZeneca. If you were to go down through a long, long list of side effects at the very, very end of it, it'll be extremely rare side effects. And that's exactly what has been happening with these, the blood clots uh, between four and 10 in a million 
is the and, and out of that only one person sadly one person passed away so it's even it's tiny it's absolutely tiny uh, D is back to say it's 17 inches long <laughs> the length of side effects so do do keep that in mind do keep that in mind particularly those that are nervous about going along uh, to get it and actually Paul Reed. The CEO of the HSE was speaking this morning on national uh, radio and he he was speaking about the benefits that the HSE is seeing from the vaccine uh, rollout. And he said so far it is actually significant, the impact that we are seeing from a health perspective. He said the HSE has seen a combination of reduced hospitalisation, reduced illnesses. There's less people in ICU and the very best one, less people are dying from uh, COVID. Uh, He said 1.3 million doses have been administered to date and that works out at just under a quarter quarter of the eligible population have received one dose. So we're slowly, slowly getting there. 10% of the population now are fully vaccinated. He says it's a huge relief to the healthcare workers who every day were going into work faced with the possibility of picking up uh, COVID. So that's come with a huge relief. Yesterday saw the highest number of vaccinations, 39,000 people vaccinated uh, yesterday. We're very close to 150,000 vaccinations expected to be completed by the end of this week. And I think that was the figure. I know they had been hoping that we would be at 250,000 but that was dependent on AstraZeneca being given out to the wider population and AstraZeneca who always seemed to leave us down on the amount of vaccines that they delivered to us and there also was the hope of course that Johnson & Johnson would we would have been using Johnson & Johnson at this stage so we've gone from what they'd hoped would be 250,000 to the reckon 150,000 which is a lot of people being uh, uh, vaccinated. He also went on then to strongly urge people to please register for your vaccination if you you're in this 60 to 69 uh, age group. And he did speak about those. And, you know, we've had a couple of texts in this morning on those who are nervous about it and what happens. Pat, in particular, has registered when Pat goes going to ask the questions but if they still feel nervous you can walk away and he did say that those who choose to in inverted commas wait for an alternative vaccine he does say you know you are allowed to do that but he is emphasising you are putting yourself at an extremely higher risk and obviously it's people 60 to 69 they are the people that really need to get the vaccination because they're the age group who will become very very unwell if they get COVID-19 it's very different to somebody between the ages of say 20 and 29 if they get COVID they'll become sick but there isn't a chance that they'll end up in hospital in ICU and there's a much lesser chance that they'll die compared to somebody between 60 and 69 that's why getting the vaccine you are protecting yourself 95% of the over 70s he said they're hoping to have them completed uh, this uh, week. There's a small number still who are going to be carried forward into next week and seemingly that's to do with them. There was a delay with some Moderna being uh, delivered so that's having a knock-on effect on the over 70s but they're hoping by next week that everybody over the age of 70 will be able to be uh, vaccinated. And he said there's already a good response to the the. The 65 to 69 uh, year olds, huge number of them, 160,000 65 to 69 year olds uh, registered on the portal over the five days and across uh, this week. And already this morning, they're seeing a huge uptake in the 64 year, year olds. They were saying even by seven o'clock this morning. So obviously the portal is is live early. There was nearly 2000 people had already uh, registered. So people are registering in huge, huge uh, numbers because people see the importance of protecting themselves. 
1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. Here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. And for those in the Balancolic or surrounding areas, a reminder to you that today is to, to, today is the day that St Vincent de Paul are having a collection van at Dunn Stores uh, car park in Balancolic. They're there until half past three this afternoon. They're looking for donations of bagged clean clothing, shoes, curtains, soft furnishing and toys will all be accepted. And the Cork Deaf Association are offering free online classes in mindfulness. It's for people who suffer from tinnitus. It's every Tuesday evening between five and seven. If you'd like more information, you can call 083-027-6098 or you can email sarah at corkdeaf.ie. And Inascara Camogie Club are now enrolling for 2021 and they're inviting all girls born in 2015 or before to register Past members are particularly welcome. Contact Marie 087 631 4415. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. And a breaking news story Dublin will not host games at the Euro 2020 in June. Seville and St. Petersburg are set to host the games. At to the championship instead. UEFA, UEFA have been meeting today to consider the move as Ireland was unable to guarantee that spectators would be allowed to attend. So I don't really know if that comes as any real surprise but huge disappointment that Dublin will not be hosting any of the Euro 2020 games in uh, June but you know realistically we wouldn't have been able to have done it and, and allowed uh, people in to watch uh, for sure. Okay that's a breaking story no doubt we'll hear more on it uh, as we go through the afternoon. Uh, this is on chips when I said I remembered having my chips wrapped up in newspaper and you'd wonder today if you sent a young person in to get fish and chips and they came out wrapped in newspaper how would they feel? Lorraine in Ballyvalan says many of the smaller chippers still use the old style paper but it isn't newspaper uh, but they still use it and Lorraine said I remember that as well uh, Patricia the takeaway using the newspaper to wrap up everything. Danny in Wilton says on Lennox on the Bandon Road they still use paper to wrap the chips the nice it's the old style feel it is there's something nice about it as well James says he remembers getting takeaway everything was wrapped in an old newspaper now he said it's plastic boxes and plastic and bags so I, and plastic bags and and I think years ago we must have been way more environmentally friendly than they are today the irony is that we're now reversing things and we're trying to get rid of the plastic and going back to what people did many many years ago and yet people are calling that progress and I think people have learned what they thought was they thought plastic was the bee's knees and the cat's pyjamas but nobody had the foresight to realise the damage that it was going to do to the environment so yeah we are and they do call a progress you're right and hi Patricia hope you're well I was listening to your show when you mentioned having the, your chips wrapped up in newspaper I remember a chipper in Donnerail called Ghoul's Chipper and you got a chicken supper with stuffing and peas oh 
my God. And they'd wrap it up in newspaper. No plastic then. It was the good old days a long time ago, but it was great food. Stay safe. And that's from our North Cork man who lives in Germany and listens to us every single day. Thank you for that. Does anybody remember that ghoul's chipper? A chicken stup- a supper with uh, stuffing and uh, peas. Uh, Dino's on the Kinsale Road. I was there this Wednesday for my 13-year-old's birthday. It was so nice. The fresh homemade chips and the memories. And thank you for that. And a picture sent on and the mushy peas. Oh God, very close to lunch. I'd, lo- I'd love some mushy peas. My mother used to wrap our lunch with newspaper and the print would be on the bread. Says <laughs> listener. <laughs> it didn't do you any harm, did it? No, it didn't. OK, and there's some final comments in on Stephen Donnelly put his size six in his size six shoe in his mouth yesterday saying the EU were, were suing AstraZeneca. The EU had to come out immediately and said they're considering it. He really should put mind in motion before opening his mouth, said Stephen. And Joe and the man way a final one says, I take it if somebody turns down a particular vaccine, they go to the bottom of the list. Um, well, that's what we were told, yeah. I'll have anything going, by the way. I'm in my early 50s, says Joe Indo Manway, ready to roll up her sleeve. OK, uh, let's take a break and we are go to the movies, get some suggestions for movies. And that's with Mark Malone coming up next. Court Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Some suggestions for movies that you might like to watch this weekend. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And I have to say, I watched your suggestion for last week, the Palm Springs one. 
Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just, it's a complete... One I'm those, glad you did. Yeah, it's one of those little distraction movies and it's short. It's only about an hour and a half and I watched it on Sunday and I just thought, yeah, it's complete. You know, if you want to switch off and you just, it doesn't tax the brain in, in any way, but it is very sweet, very sweet movie. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Okay, so you've got some suggestions for us this uh, week. Uh, and this actually is one that's on my list that I want to watch. It's uh, H's for Happiness. But firstly, you have gone with a movie called Love and Mon. And let us kick off with a trailer. The day of the monster uprising was the day I lost everyone. Only a small fraction of humanity survived to move underground. I've been scanning for Amy the entire time. And now I finally found her. Hey, Amy, is that you? Oh my God. Hey. How far away is Amy's colony? 85 miles. It's an impossible journey. Everyone will try to kill you. Don't fight. Just run and hide. Huh? Is that a samurai sword? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Listen to your instincts out here, man. What if I have terrible instincts? You'll die. Super encouraging speech. Now, it's, this is a, a comedy, but it's also described as an action-adventure movie. Uh, yeah, and I think the good thing about the trailer, when you listen to it there, it gives a pretty good idea of kind of where the humour is going. And there is a lot of humour here. And I want to make it quite clear, this is a PG-13 film, so uh, even though it's got monsters in the title, when we were talking here about kind of fun monsters, and it's a film that um, initially tried to get to cinemas, and now it's available on uh, Netflix, and it... Uh, kind of caught a lot of people by surprise because I think nobody expected this to be any good. And it actually turned out to be really, really good. I know one of the things I hate is week in, week out sometimes, it looks as though I don't like any films ever made. And I like these two films, I'm glad to be able to okay. say. And Pam Springs last week was good. So there is some very, very good stuff out at the moment. And I enjoyed this uh, greatly. I mean, I think on um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's up around 90%. So it has been very, very well received, I'm glad to be able to say. And it really is great fun. And the great thing about it is that it's very similar to uh, Zombieland, which was a kind of a zombie film made a couple of years ago. It's very, it is quite similar to that. The difference and the big difference is that uh, this film, unlike that one, uh, isn't incredibly violent. Uh, there's very little bloodletting in this. It is a comedy. It's, as you say, a comedy adventure uh, monster film, which is, um, and, and, you know, it's, and it, I think it's a lesson to a lot of uh, movie makers because over the last few years, it's almost like they felt that everything has to be really violent. We've got to kind of step up the violent because that's what, uh, you know, modern uh, film goers want to see. And I think this is a lesson to them where you've got a film which hasn't a huge amount of bloodletting, isn't particularly explicit and is really, really fun. And, uh, and I hope that's a lesson to them to say, look, you know, it can be PG-13 and it can be hugely successful. So basically the story is, is that this meteor was heading towards Earth. So Earth and its wisdom decide, well, what we'll do is we'll just break it up by sending up uh, all these nukes to, to, to break it up, which it did. But unfortunately, all the fallout from the nukes fell back to Earth, wiping out the population almost. I think there's something like 5% of the Earth's population left. And what it did was it turned all the crustaceans that were left on Earth, like snails and, and uh, you know cockroaches and beetles, and turned them into the size of houses. <laughs> And uh, and so and so now what's left of the Earth's population? They have to live underground, so they don't go overground because it's just 
too dangerous. Um, when the monster apocalypse happened, though, our hero here, played by uh, Dylan O'Brien, he broke up with his girlfriend went a separate way, and he was trying to contact her to see if she was alive. And she, he finds out that she's in fact in another kind of a, um, an Earth a kind of human base, uh, about eighty miles away. So he decides to go and try and reconnect with her. Um, he's told, "Look, you can't do it. You, we here, and we've we at the start of the film. He's not. He's not a hero." And in fact, uh, when it comes to fighting the monsters, he's never invited to take part because um, he's um, he's just too afraid. He's 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 um, he doesn't have the skills to be able to kill the monsters. So basically, he's the chef, and he says, "No, I'm going." I'm going to find and reconnect again with my girlfriend. So the story is basically about his trip from there uh, to her. And whilst he's doing that, uh, he meets this dog, this extraordinary dog uh, by the name of Boy. And uh, he also meets up at, uh, along the journey uh, with a kind of a monster hunter and this little girl who are both incredibly good and have over the years developed the skills to be able to fight these monsters. So they impart the information on how to kill the monsters to him. So as he's uh, the journey progresses. He goes from basically wimp to kind of hero. But it works. I mean, and that's one of the other things, of course. We've seen so many movies where the hero is just all uh, is just all heroic all the time. But here he isn't. He's like a real person. He has fears. He cries. He He's afraid. And, um, and there are times when, you know, if he kills a monster, you know, he's, it surprises him. And at one stage, you know, he does so to a monster and uh, he turns and said, wow, I feel like Tom Cruise, you know, um, <laughs> and so there's a lot of humor in this. The dog is extraordinary, by the way. I mean, the dog, I think when I remember when I reviewed Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford and they yeah. CGI'd the dog and I said, look, you can you can train a dog to do anything. This dog, this dog is extraordinary. And the relationship between the two of them is beautiful and wonderful. At one stage, the dog does a kind of a kind of a, an about take, a kind of a, you know, and it's just what he, you know, he does a kind of a double take. And he has been trained to do that, obviously. And you kind of think, wow, how do they get him to do that? And it just works. And the other great thing is that the quality of the CGI is extraordinary. We've had so much bad CGI of late. Um, but the monsters are great. Basically, they're house-sized monsters of, you know, beetles that you see around your house. You know, and and it it all works, you know. And a lot of it has to, down to uh, Dylan O'Brien as well. I have seen him before. I can't remember what quite I've seen him in. Him. But if this isn't a star-making role, I don't know what is because as i say he could have he could have played this like a superhero he didn't he played it like a real person and so therefore you identify with him he's absolutely terrific he's funny he's smart uh, you know he there are times when he gets emotional and you get emotional watching him and um, so the whole thing works from start to finish i thought it was terrific it's pg-13 and i think anybody under 10 might find the monsters kind of uh, maybe a bit too scary but certainly uh, 10 up all the family can it. watch this. We it's great it. fun. And he comes across... It's such, a blast. He comes across as such a likeable character and that, that's what you need in a lead, isn't it, for a movie like this. You need to really like the person. And it's a monster film with a great script. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? We've seen so many monster films with terrible scripts where they just don't care about the scripts, where they don't care about it. And in fact, we very rarely see the monsters also. They don't throw the monsters at us all the time. You know? And so, um, because of that, when they do arrive... It is a bit slightly scary, but it's really, really entertaining. Okay. So mark it out of 10. 
Uh, I'm going to give it 10. Two, oh, 10 out of 10. And that's Love <laughs> and uh, Monsters. And that's, uh, is that streaming where at the moment? Or where is that on? That's on and Netflix. Netflix. Okay. Now, the one yeah. I'm looking forward to this. This is uh, H is for Happiness. And this is the Miriam Margolis, who I just adore, Miriam. I just think she is fantastic. Um, t- and I know I saw in an interview about this movie saying that she normally hates to work with children, uh, but that, that they were the sweetest, <laughs> loveliest bunch of kids she'd ever worked with. So she actually enjoyed it. So talk to us about H is for happiness. Well, apparently she kept the kids occupied by, how can I put this um, without offending anybody, by breaking wind a lot. And (laughs) I've read her, I saw an interview with her years ago where she was talking about making a film with Demi Moore of all people. And um, when they were backstage, they they spent their time being occupied by breaking wind. The two of them. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she has she has a flatulence problem. <laughs> she, she, and uh, she's got no She's odor. a capacity. Uh, she's got no She has odor. a talent. <laughs> Her flatulence <laughs> problem is worse. Okay, sorry for anybody having lunch at the moment. So tell me about hate for happiness. <laughs> And by the way, Miriam is in it, but she plays herself, basically, which is great. And that's what you want, because who doesn't adore Miriam Margulies? And she's got this kind of wonky eye, like Mad-Eye Moody in Harry Potter. And it's beautifully CGI'd, and it keeps moving around in her head. And, uh, and that kind of gives an added kind of uh, comedic you know, uh, character to, uh, uh, to her part. Um, the film is about a 12-year-old little girl who has this kind of boundless optimism. I mean, she is so positive. She's super smart in school. Because of that, then she's considered to be a a bit of a nerd. And she loves life. She loves everybody. And genuinely, um, whilst her whole family and her whole life around her is falling apart. Uh, We hear at one stage, um, her little sister uh, had a cot death. So therefore, her mother's in a terrible depression and spends most of her time in bed. Because of that, it's affected uh, her relationship with the little girl's father, who also has no relationship uh, with uh, his brother, with whom he had uh, a problem with... um, at one stage, they were working together. Uh, they moved apart. The brother went off and became rich. And so in, in the film, he's constantly referred to as Rich Uncle Brian. And uh, and so he, unfortunately, didn't do well out of the business uh, transaction. So therefore, they don't get on at all. And so she takes it upon herself to uh, try and, you know, rid the world of unhappiness, and especially amongst her family, and sort everything out. And whilst doing that, doing it, whilst um, obeying kind of the laws of the alphabet. So every single day, uh, whatever letter of the alphabet it is, dictates what she's going to do uh, on that day. Uh, the film caught everybody by surprise. I think one of the problems with it is that when I saw the trailer and I read afterwards that the trailer was terrible, so don't look at the trailer, whatever you do, because the trailer doesn't in any way, shape or form uh, show what this film is all about. I mean, this is a delight from start to finish. Whilst it's dealing with very, very heavy, dark themes, it's almost like the film itself is saying, look, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, it's not a surprise, I think, that this was made last year uh, in Australia, like the previous film was as well, by the way. They make a lot of films in Australia at the moment because of their response to COVID. And the film has this kind of colour palette of kind of reds and greens and blues, and the sun shines the whole time. And so at no stage, even during the kind of, like the director, I think, during the kind of more emotional moments could have kind of just just dropped the palette back ever so slightly. He does it to give this sense of optimism because this little girl, and the little girl here is played by an actress by the name of Daisy Axon, who's got this red hair and these freckles. And she is absolutely extraordinary. She really is because she's so genuine and so real. I mean, there's a scene where she's bullied at school because she's considered to be a nerd. And one of the bullies, she goes up to one of the bullies and says, I will help you with your algebra. And the bully says, why would I do that? And she said, because I like you. 
and which completely disarms the bully. And this is the kind of effect that she has on the people around her. Um, all the extra, all the performances are extraordinary, but she, Daisy Axon, I think is somebody we must look forward to in the future because she is amazing from start to finish in the film. The film has this kind of sense of, sense of optimism, as I say, which is, which, is, which is very endearing. At no stage does it kind of become mawkish because it could have done, but it's so smartly written. Um, you know, what's interesting is that it has a, a male director, uh, a man by the name of John Sheedy, who's obviously got some Irish in, in him from way back, but all of his crew were completely female. And they have done an extraordinary job, and the film looks beautiful. Um, it is a beautiful film from start to finish. I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. I smiled a lot. So it's a real feel-good movie. It's very much indeed, yeah. For, yeah. I think, I'm kind of thinking who would love it. I think pre-teens will, will yeah. love it. Um, but I, I'm certainly nowhere near being a pre-teen and I loved it very much indeed. I thought it was, I thought it was delightful and you will love it. Okay, because I know it's based on, there was a book called My Life is an Alphabet and that's what this is. Yes. This movie is based exactly. on, isn't it? Yeah, okay. So Mark H is for happiness out of 10. Go on. Uh, Again, I'd give it a 10. Go oh, on, I do, 10. do. I'm so delighted with that. Okay, look, that's, that is on my, it's been on my wish list for a couple of weeks. I'm definitely going to watch it now. Uh, the gods are telling me to watch it this weekend, so I will. Uh, listen, Mark, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat next Friday. You too. Thanks uh, for joining Bye-bye. us. That is Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Somebody said, what was the name of the first movie? The first movie, it was called Love and uh, Monsters. That's on Netflix. And then our second one there is H is for Happiness. And I'm sure that that's streaming on uh, Prime. Me mentioning growing up and getting chips wrapped in newspaper has evoked a lot of memories for a lot of people. Mary was on to say, they used to wrap whiskey in newspapers years ago and then they'd put it in under their uh, coats so they wouldn't be seen leaving the off licence with a bottle of whiskey. It'd be wrapped up in newspaper. And Donny in East Cork says, in a bar in East Cork that should remain nameless, there was a toilet. It had a nail on the wall and the newspaper was cut up very neatly and hanging up on the nail on the wall for the people using the toilet. I'm not sure where the print ended up, says Donny in East Cork. Thanks for that. Somebody has a similar memory but it wasn't in a bar it was in their house when I was young we used newspapers in the toilet never saw a toilet roll when I was growing up we were the only house with an indoor toilet in the village how posh were ye and someone else says God rest Mrs Murphy in minor row in Mill Street oh you always got your chips there it used to be a treat on our birthday it came wrapped in newspapers and this person can remember the price they were about six there were six pence and was that just for the chips or was there fish thrown in or not and someone else said Hurley's in McCroom they used newspapers to wrap their chips and it was top class uh, quality Okay that's where we wrap it up for today somebody was asking about the walk-in test centre in Ballinacarriga outside Dunmanway and is the test centre open on the weekend because they've decided to it's a pilot scheme they ran for a week and they've decided to extend it it opens every day except Sunday so it will be open uh, tomorrow but uh, it's closed on Sunday Okay that's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week another week flying by thanks to John Paul McNamara who produced Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We have a beautiful forecast weather-wise for the weekend so if you get the chance to get out and enjoy yourself but please do remember social distancing. Look after yourself and more importantly stay safe. Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.